0: the mysterious, mist-enshrouded, mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters, you're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast, with your hosts, Scott and Emily.
1: All right, here we go. This is episode number 50. Woohoo! All right. X and Y on the Fly. My name is Scott McKay.
2: And I'm Emily McKay.
1: And today we're going to talk about something that you guys have uh, been asking us about, and you ladies out there. Uh, I don't know why we haven't really ever covered this before on the show, but the point is going to be how we communicate when we're in a dating relationship or a marriage and why that's so important, which it obviously is, right?
2: Oh, were we talking about something?
1: Oh, you're so. You did that on purpose.
2: (laughs) Yes, Yes, communication is the sole basis of any relationship. Even if you
1: interrupt each other all the time?
2: I know, right? Anyway. See what I did there? Down dog. (laughs) Down (laughs) dog.
1: That's D-A-W-G for all you listening out there.
2: Anyway, so yeah. communication is the heart of how well a relationship functions. It will either make you happy or just make you miserable.
1: I thought your heart was the heart of relations. No. You mean how people like do those little selfies and they make the heart out of their hands? Nobody can see me doing this, but trust me, I'm doing it. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Maybe we're going to have some interesting things to say about this because I'm not sure I'm on your wavelength.
2: All right, well, let's jump into this. Let's talk about it. Let's communicate.
1: We can't do that without our guests. Today, we're going to have good friends of ours on. They are Derek and Heidi from the Uncharted family. And Derek is also the host of the wildly successful podcast, The Art of Adventure. Derek and Heidi, welcome aboard.
3: Hey, Scott and Emily. Thanks for having us.
1: Hi, guys.
4: Thanks for having us.
1: Yes, and you're welcome, of course. And thank you for being here and all these nice, cordial things we do to communicate with each other. (laughs) Right?
4: That's right.
2: Part of communication.
1: Let's talk about that. Do you think couples should be past being cordial with each other? I mean, we see that when people come over our house. They're like being too nice. They're like, honey, please pass the butter. You know what I think deep down? And I want to see if you guys agree with this, Derek and Heidi. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge red flag. They're in trouble when they're being too cordial with each other.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, you can tell when you can tell when it's real and you can tell when it's fake. Can you, though? I think so. I don't know. I, I think mm-hmm. I can. But, uh, but
4: there's there's also, you know, when you ask politely for something to get done, it seems to happen more often. Like, will you take out the trash? Yes, I will take out the trash.
1: Or no, go screw yourself. <laughs>
4: yeah, I'm playing a game. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let me clarify what I was talking about. You know, if you're screwing yourself in a marriage, we definitely have a problem.
2: That can be done, couldn't it?
1: Well, it could be done. But, you know, hopefully if the person's, like, deployed... On some naval ship for six months, I think that would make sense. But not <laughs> if they're like in the next room. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole.
2: That's a different type of communication. No
1: pun intended. <laughs> All right. So let me clarify here. Cordia- cordiality. I just banged your... Uh,
2: my glasses.
1: Yeah. They thought I was going to say something else. But I, I just banged your glasses with my headphones. That's how that's how close and uh, snuggly we get on this show, isn't it? Right. Actually, it's a function of having only one microphone.
4: Well, we, th- we thought all the podcasting studios in Texas were really big, but I guess you guys are crammed into a tight little podcasting closet.
1: Oh, no, it's not the room's problem. It's just simply about sound quality.
2: It's his way to get close to me sometimes.
1: Even with your beer breath. <laughs>
2: Coffee beer.
1: (laughs) Had a little liquid encouragement for this show before we got started. And let me tell you, we need it because today has been like the worst day. I mean, my websites fell apart this morning, okay? Then for some reason, iTunes decided to decide they dislike me today.
2: Then I had to communicate some really bad news. Which was? That our water heater was destroying the house.
1: Yeah. Not only was the water heater destroyed, but it's destroying the house even as we speak. So we're going to be in rare form. I should probably be drunk too, unless I get a little bit of crankiness going
3: on oh man
1: (laughs) crankiness has been known to improve the ratings of this show so we'll see where this heads anyway cordiality cordiality is friendliness in a box Mm. i think it's usually reserved for people you barely know or can barely tolerate so when you see people who are allegedly in this really close relationship and they're allegedly really happy together and they're just being too nicey nice with each other mm. it bothers me it's
4: better if you can just see when someone's ticked off at you
1: right that seems more honest and more communicative
2: yeah but i think sometimes uh, to give a different perspective when i see couples being really nice to each other you know you have to wonder is that genuine in front of us are they doing that at home or not so sometimes we just don't know what happens behind closed doors Like when we go visit people, you and I are always nice together because that's how we are all the time, even at home. Uh, Even in our cranky state, we still are very nice
1: to each other. Well, I think there's a difference between being cordial and being civil. I mean, of course, I say please and thank you to you, and I don't call you names, and it's not like we throw plates at each other around the house when we're angry. Right. But I don't think cordial is the way to describe it.
3: Yeah. Okay. I think when you say cordial, it's kind of meaning that there's an act to it, that it's a front Bingo. Okay, yeah. In relationship, there isn't very much leeway for acting and fronting because I think that's why we get into relationships is to really see what you're made of as an individual and test the other person's grit as well.
2: Yeah, you know, and if you're having to act in front of people and be cordial like you just mentioned, then there's a communication problem and a breakdown. So how are couples like that supposed to communicate?
1: Sounds like a Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> Communication break. <laughs> of course, if you're a rock star and you're trying to relate to like one woman in your life, I can see how there would be a problem. Yeah. Derek, we haven't heard much from you. What do you have to say about all this?
4: Well, uh, maybe. You're making him communicate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, making, you're making me, trying to think of something important to say. Uh, but if you're hiding something or if you're being, you know, f- fakely civil maybe you're also hiding something from yourself. You're sort of not telling how you really feel or, you know, you're just covering something up and then that leads to a whole other slew of problems, uh, probably of you feeling a little bit off in the relationship in general. So I think the, the goal may be to get to, you know, just the truth and honest experience that everybody's having in a relationship.
2: Well, I think it's probably why people are so afraid to communicate their feelings. They're afraid of the outcome. If I speak, maybe my loved one will leave. And oh my gosh, that would be worse than me not communicating.
1: Yeah, if you're coming from a position of fear of loss in any relationship, I don't care whether it's socially, professionally, um, certainly if you're in sales and you think your customers are all going to leave you, you know, it's just like being in a romantic relationship. That's neediness and clinginess and it's not even attractive and it certainly doesn't make you happy in the long run.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what about things that challenge your ability to communicate? For example, uh, when you are either new in a relationship or let's say something new has happened that's dramatic in your relationship Ooh, such as like having that. a baby. <laughs> yeah, you do, don't you?
4: <laughs> We've got a seven-week-old and uh, I may have just heard him communicate to us from the other room. So we'll see how uh, how that goes. Um, but yeah, there's this sort of, you know, in the middle of the night, uh, the baby's crying quickly, Heidi and I like shout some things like, is he, does he have a clean diaper or when's the last time he ate? And, uh, you know, we're just like trying to figure out the very basics. You know, we have to catch up with communicating with each other about things that are important to us besides just, you know, is it, can we keep this baby alive? But how was your day, you know, how do you feel, those types of things. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, all of a sudden your communication process transcends simply the two of you and your little relationship together, right?
3: Yeah, um, besides the the very real fact of being so tired and emotionally spent sometimes when I finally get to bed. No
2: kidding, right? Sometimes you have your baby wanting you so much and you're holding and hugging and clinging that the last thing you want to do is be touched (laughs) or communicate.
1: Yeah, which is rough on the husband.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no kidding.
1: No. By the way, you guys, the difference between live radio and podcasting is we do have a pause button. Mm-hmm. So if you need to attend to Axel, we can conveniently make it happen. Okay. And it'll be transparent to the audience. How cool is that? <laughs> right, audience?
3: We'll let you know That's if right. we need to do that. Yeah. Okay, so. sounds good.
1: No, Very yeah. good. I think you're bringing up a great point. What happens when you introduce new elements to this relationship and it changes everything. And you're used to communicating perhaps in this lovey-dovey, honeymoonish way, like we talked about on the last show. And then the next thing you know, life happens. Your parents, you're stressed, you're waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, even when stressful things happen outside of parenthood, when some sort of drama happens or, God forbid, a crisis, I think sometimes that's really the acid test of whether your relationship is built to last, at least from a communication perspective.
4: Here's something really interesting that we've noticed about ourselves is that one of us is always strong. It's, it, does, it seems like we're not both having breakdowns or being really tired at the same time. So, so if one of us is struggling, the other one is the, the pillar of strength and it sort of like flip-flops depending. So that way we're always held together by someone.
2: What a benefit to the child because they get the benefit of having at least one parent who is in a position to care for them in a way. Whereas the other parent can also be supported when, you know, when we're not at our strongest. You know, we're we're sleep deprived, uh, we're wore out, and we're at the point where we need our batteries recharged. And it's nice that the other parent or partners can actually take care of that and help us through those tough times.
1: Well, that's where your relationship should be worth more than the sum of the individual parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we're here to not only just alleviate loneliness and have someone to talk to, but actually have someone who we're fully in partnership with. And I think you just pretty much described a wonderful example of exactly how that looks and how it works.
3: Yeah. Um, Derek and I talk about that a lot. And once, shortly after Axel was born, Derek said we have to really think of ourselves as a unit or a team. He said a cycling group or a cycling team, <laughs> of course.
1: Like a team pursuit.
3: Yeah. So in cycling, you share the burden. The person who is strong is in front, um, breaking the wind so the other person can kind of ride behind. And you rotate as needed. And communication is really the key factor in that. You have to be able to ask for what you want, ask for what you need. Um, yeah, Heidi's Heidi
4: really good at asking for what she wants. <laughs>
3: Which- I tell him what I want all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I want this. I need this. Give me, give me.
1: You know, along similar lines, we're really good at breaking wind.
3: No, not me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now there you have... A whole another podcast. Yeah. You sure. It's not the different? on the whole nature of farting and how it re- you know affects a relationship, bodily functions. Oh, and, You have to
3: have me on you know. for that one. I have something to say about owning your uh, digestional reality. Uh, you, you, it comes with pregnancy. Oh God, yes.
1: <laughs> well, uh, let the fur fly. We want to hear it. it. You know. Go ahead. That's
2: communication. The body's communicating with you
1: Well, I first say? of all, I'll turn the vents on in the bathroom and close yeah, the door after. I do. Done I have a it.
3: <laughs> essential oil spray I keep by the bed. No, okay. Well, bef- when Derek and I met, I was um working as a colon hydrotherapist. So I was dealing every day with people's very sensitive issues and sensitive parts. And um I have some very um have some theories Ashes. about <laughs> how our emotional health and how our reality is really shaped around the things that we are experiencing in our digestive system. Um, but when we were first dating and Derek wanted to know more about what I did, I offered to give him a colonic <laughs> and... <laughs> And that was actually a very special moment for both of us in, in his trusting me, to see him in a vulnerable position, to see um, to we- see his shit. <laughs> and and uh, I think that it was is something that made us a lot stronger.
4: Did you know when you saw my poop that we would be together forever?
3: Oh, yeah. I knew he was a keeper when I saw that.
1: <laughs> Can you kind of read it like tea leaves? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the culture where they read manure? Um, Saw that on one of the travel shows. Yeah, series. farming, farming. Now, oh, now we're starting to sound like our other podcasts. And anyway, enough about us. All right, so a colonic is not necessarily good first date. You know, planning. So I'm assuming this was after a little bit of time.
3: Yeah, it was after a little bit
4: of time. Yeah, like like an hour into the first date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you're not supposed to bring all of your shit into a dating relationship, but I think most people mean that. Rather subjectively, not objectively.
2: So day one would be, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock at night. And when one o'clock in the morning happens, that's day two. So that's the second date. Yeah, you know, I think <laughs>
1: we actually had that discussion, didn't we? We're now on our third date because it happened to be past midnight. Yes. Yeah. Mm. We just kind of left and came back. So Oh, third date. Ooh,
4: it's good to have dates uh, on the airplane over the international dateline so you can pump up the, the tally as well.
1: Yes, and along those lines, you brought up an excellent memory for she and I. We actually had a 36-hour-long anniversary one day.
2: Oh, wow. It was
1: our fifth, wasn't it?
2: I think so, and they gave us a champagne bottle.
1: Right, because we came back to the United States from the Pacific Rim, and our anniversary, December 9th, lasted for 36 hours. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. And
2: the stories brought us the gift. Yes. Beautiful.
1: And then tried to get us to name our child after her. That was really weird. When we were telling our friends that we were pregnant,
4: there was a lot of people, you know, not so subtly suggesting that we use their names. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, did you know that Nick could be a great name for a girl or a boy?
1: <laughs> How about Narc for a narcissist? That would be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Boy, howdy! That really, I know. What's up with people in that? Anyway, back to failure to, to, the-
2: to communicate.
1: That's <laughs> failure to communicate. Well, I think they're very clearly communicating. You know, something that's completely inappropriate. But anyway, you know, we're talking about here about vulnerability. And I think it's actually, in all seriousness, beautiful that you guys were able to be so vulnerable, even physically, with each other. I mean, that goes way beyond simply getting naked in front of each other and how do I look in the mirror? That's a whole lot more. So, I mean, how well did that pretend how you guys were going to be able to communicate verbally that you can communicate in such vulnerable ways? I mean, that's really neat.
3: Derek, how was it? <laughs> how did it make you feel being on the colonics table?
2: I would add to that and say I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you believe the best in the other person, that they have the best intentions and want things to go well between yeah. the two of you. Yeah. So a lot of trust is going in on that, which builds a relationship.
4: I, I imagine that that prepared me to be able to – share other things that I was vulnerable about in, in conversation. You know, right away we had to decide, uh, are we going to have our kid in Indonesia and Bali where we met or are we going to come back to the United States? Uh, you know, just a lot of decisions to make.
1: You know, one thing that keeps coming up is this whole idea of trust. And yeah, you have to trust each other to give each other colonics. And I think the corollary <laughs> for us is, you know, sometimes one or the other of us has been sick. It's happened to me overseas. And Mm. the other person has to kind of get into gear. And you see each other at your worst in a relationship. And that's where love comes in. That's where being vulnerable, you know. Are you still going to love me and my shit? (laughs) I mean, you know, all of that really matters. I don't think that's something to be underestimated. There's some other ways, of course, that we can get into – That really kind of illuminates how trust is magnified in a relationship, whereas a lot of couples really kind of beat each other's trust down over the course of a relationship. So how do you build up the trust with communication rather than destroying it? What ideas do you all have?
4: Well, okay. So one of the things Heidi and I talked about when we were going to have Axel was that we would need to keep each other's love buckets full. And so we said, okay, well, what are we going to need from each other? and one of the things that i really enjoy is uh learning about heidi's day and how she feels about things that happened to her during the day so we we sit down at night usually like right as sometimes we do it right as we're falling asleep but uh we'll say okay tell tell us three things that happened during the day and how you felt about them like someone cut you off while you're driving or you're at the grocery store and the lady was really nice and she complimented you on your parenting skills or or whatever it is. And then it gives me insight into how Heidi is, you know, what's her universe. And I I really enjoy that. And it's been really great to have that sort of built in sharing time at the end of the day.
3: Yeah. And it's really great for me to feel that, I'm interesting to him, interesting enough for him to really want to know what's going on with my day. And so that's very trust-building for us.
2: You know, it kind of reminds me of a skill. If you have a skill such as learning, you know, a language or something that requires, like, playing an instrument, you know, if we don't use those skills, we forget them. You know, we we get rusty. We're not very good at it. And it's great that you do that on a daily basis because you are practicing every day to keep those skills up and going and strong so that you don't forget how to communicate. And that's a great way to keep that going strong for the lifetime of your relationship.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like taking your communications to the gym.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We, and we
4: did sort of view it like a, a skill. Yeah. Uh, and
3: Derek's a coach of everything to everybody all the time. So <laughs> it's all about, okay, we have a strategy. We're going to implement this. and
4: <laughs> You know, but I still catch myself, you know, Heidi will tell me, you know, some problem she's dealing with a, with a baby. And I'll be like, oh, let me just solve that for you. And she'll say, well, no, I just wanted you to listen to me
3: yeah. and
4: empathize with me and not actually solve it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's in the book.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it is in the book.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes you have to go by the book. Sometimes going by the book is never going to help. You have to kind of go off the board, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, things will come up and you're confronted almost with the need to communicate about it. Like we were with the water heater today.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And you were so worried that I was going to go off, you know, about how much money it costs or how did this thing get broken or can we really fix it some other way? And you got a surprising answer from me.
2: I did. I was really worried that you were going to be worried about how all this is going to work out. So it was really cool to I just have to, you know, express what I was going to say, said it and trust that you're going to be able to be an adult and handle it.
1: Right. Well, I know you're good about logistics and all those detail-oriented things where I'm more kind of the dreamer and often, you know, fictional land.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're writing
1: <laughs> like, newsletters.
2: Did you do your homework? Did you research this and that? Okay, well, then I trust you.
1: Well, of course you did because that's what you do. you right. are right, Emily. <laughs> so when you heard, yeah, let's just hire him and get it done because obviously we need a, you know, water what? Hotter? <laughs> what? Hotter?
4: Uh, what, a, what a hotter?
2: It's getting hot in here.
1: <laughs> Obviously, what hotter we need is hot water uh, around here. It's wintertime, even here in San Antonio, although ironically, it's 78 degrees outside today. But, you know, if we sit on this for more than 24 hours, another cold front's going to come through and we're going to be taking cold ice showers when it's 30 degrees. So what's the logical answer? The logical answer is get this thing done.
2: And I'm like, Really?
1: Well, yeah. (laughs) Or you
4: could just become a cold shower family, and you know, then
2: save energy. Yeah, tell
4: the tell other families how great it is that you all take cold showers, and try to convince them that that's actually
3: (laughs) the way to go. it would be so annoying if someone tried to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Although
2: it's you know we go green instead of taking cold showers, just be stinky. (laughs)
1: Or better yet, we could just give our kids the Abraham Lincoln speech. You know, back in the 1850s, all these other kids had to boil water in the living room with an open fire like we are now doing mm-hmm. so that you could take a shower. You know, And then we'd, of course, have to do a And they all share building. the
3: bath water. Right. <laughs> That's right. The scalding first.
1: hot bath. That's well, why
3: they, they say would be don't, don't nice. throw the baby out with the bath water because <laughs> the baby got it. It was – It's
4: hard to see the baby in
3: the
1: bath. <laughs> Fortunately, ours are all past toddler age. So, you know, that wouldn't be quite as much an occupational hazard around here even though we may want to at times, you know. Well, I mean, you know, that would just be disastrous. The point was, we have to get the hot water heater fixed. It's got to get done. You're the one who knows about that stuff. It comes down to trust again. Mm
3: -hmm. Right. And you know what else? There's another point in there, and that is about not assuming, you know, what the other person thinks or is going to say. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: I think that's very profound because if you know each other well enough and Emily and I can look each other in the eye and know what the other one's thinking and oh. we complete each other's sentences
2: not even the other day remember I was in the kitchen and you were in the living room and I, we were talking about the thing in the middle of your truck that was stolen and I had a thought I'm like <laughs> now you're you know to tell wait her by that story you <laughs> know wait. wait what if we and I stopped my thought I'm like wait that won't work out And it's funny because you exactly knew what I was thinking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, without you giving any details. And I completed the thought, even though you were having a hard time finding the words. And you were like, yes, that. Uh, The short story there is they now know how to, like, get your key fob with uh, with the signal to unlock your truck to work from close range. So we were in an establishment enjoying fine adult beverages. And someone ripped off my truck, even though it was locked. Didn't have to break the windows or anything. They just opened oh, my truck yeah. and took stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were talking about you know what to replace and whatnot. That's what happened with that conversation and how that conversation was talking about the stuff that was stolen from the middle of my truck.
2: Right. And one of them is a piece that actually belongs uh, when you buy your vehicle. It's, uh, it's an accessory to the vehicle. So mm-hmm. you can't find it online. So I was thinking, what if we found it at a junkyard? Right. But then I realized, well, it was a unique uh, model, so they probably won't have it there. It'd be hard to find that configuration with that piece in it, so then I stopped my thought midway, and that's where you picked it up.
1: But the funny part, almost supernatural part, was you know, I have an idea about how you could replace that. You, um, uh, I said, you know, you're right, I could go to a junkyard. And you just went, yeah, that.
4: <laughs> that's <laughs> how weird it was. That's cool.
1: But you made a wonderful point, Heidi, and I don't want it to go undiscussed, and that's You can sometimes know each other so well that, yeah, sure, you can complete each other's sentences and almost read each other's mind, but you can't get too presumptuous about what's going on with that other person. You have to respect their own abilities to come up with original ideas and to have perhaps a dissenting view on things. And so that communication still does need to happen. Otherwise, you're going to start presuming too much, and that's not respectful.
2: Yeah. You know, going along with that thought is giving the other person permission to have feelings. You know, sometimes we're like, well, how can you think that way? You know, that's just not right. And I'm hurt that you would feel that way. But if you actually allow yourself the ability to give people permission to have feelings and not get upset about their reaction, they'll feel safe to share
3: with us. Mm.
1: I think something that goes along with that, and of course, anyone who listens to us and reads the newsletters and, you know, has heard of us and followed our work knows that we're both very respectful to both genders we don't believe in man bashing or woman bashing. So having said that, I'm going to risk going out on a limb and say, I think sometimes women have a harder time understanding men have emotions and feelings. Hmm. as they see us go off to war and play football and get hurt and try to be all macho. And they think, you know, all of a sudden he can take it. Whatever I dish out, he's going to take it. For men's part, I think we just sometimes become boorish and ignorant to the fact that women do have different feelings than we do. So certainly it does go both ways, but I would especially caution women to please understand men are still human. We still have feelings. If we get steamrolled, it isn't okay. We may have a point if we're feeling that way.
4: Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I wonder maybe about how long the feelings last, because sometimes I'll feel something strongly and then it will pass. And so so maybe it's not whether we have feelings, but how long and and how involved we are in, and this could could be like a non-gender thing too, you know, like everybody's just different. And sometimes people experience something and it lasts for 24 hours and other people are over it in five minutes.
1: Yeah, that's just a matter of personality type. And I think you bring up a great point, Derek, in a roundabout way that, you know, someone is really having a particularly emotional outburst moment, give them a chance to cool down and come back down to earth. Before you really dive into that conversation and otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you risk really tearing some flesh, you know,
2: <laughs> like maybe uh, not too long ago when I was, I think I was having a high emotional or we call it a uh, uh, hormonal moment. And, I, and <laughs> okay, I, told the whole, <laughs> I told the whole family, look, y'all are going to just have to like, leave me alone and let me deal with this. And then, you know, we can come back to be normal.
1: <laughs> well, the interesting thing there is that's weird for you that's relatively unusual you know me i can rant a lot
3: Mm -hmm.
4: you
1: know i always mean well and i always crack jokes in the middle of it so i'm kind of what i call cranky funny but you guys know to expect rants from me and it's kind of still okay you know just kind of give scott space and please don't try to laugh so hard pretend he's being serious and then it's fine (laughs) you though when you get on a nice cranky rant everybody kind of steps back and goes
3: whoa this is
4: this is real (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. This is where shit gets real. This is Emily's, where shit hits the fan. Right. <laughs> Emily's, Emily's on a rant. Emily is upset. I don't really have – I haven't memorized the part of the manual on how to handle this. You know, <laughs> and we all back
2: off. Yeah, yeah, but that's when I very kindly say, okay, look, I need a moment to come down off of this hormonal high that needs to leave my system so I can actually – function properly and communicate the right way. And, you know, people have to realize that about themselves. You got to know where your limits are when you are at a a place and time when you can't communicate effectively and all you're going to do is damage. You need to let people know, look, I love and care about you, but I really need the ability to come down so that I can communicate with you properly.
1: And of course, the wrong thing to do is sense that vulnerability and start pressing the hot buttons, Mm -hmm. which is what dysfunctional couples do. Like, just make them rant even more. You know, really get them good and hot and angry, just so you can really have angry sex. (laughs) (laughs) That was a mic drop, now wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, Before we close here, because time's getting short, I want to mention this whole idea of people feeling pressured to have a certain kind of communication in their relationship. Almost like if we're not having these deep philosophical talks that read like Scott Adams' blog about you know the universe and politics and whatever, then there's something wrong with our relationship and we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not close enough. And I want to just throw out on the table, Emily and I have deep conversations, but they're rarer than you would think. Most of the time we really just relate about life and enjoying each other's company and we really don't see any harm to our relationship by keeping communication simple, do we?
2: Mm-mm. We can even sit in a room and just quietly hang out and... Do nothing.
1: Isn't that interesting? So many things like being bandied about right now. The whole idea of being quiet because you're good communicators. You trust each other with not communicating.
3: Yeah. You're right. Oh, well, it just – that's your authentic. That's your truth. If you don't need to go into deep philosophical stuff, if you don't need to rehash um, these deep feelings and things you have from your childhood, then – that's wonderful as well. You just enjoy yourself, crack jokes, and everything's great. It's just it's just about honesty.
1: What, what does it all come down to? Honesty. Getting each other.
3: Getting each other. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were asking me. <laughs> well, yeah, you gave an equally great answer. Go ahead. Yes, I was
2: going to say, one of my favorite communications is sometimes when I'm feeling vulnerable and weak and frustrated and helpless, and I just need something and I don't know what to do or how to do it. It's just when Scott comes and gives me a big hug and just communicates on a physical level that everything's going to be okay, I'm here for you. And I feel this calm and peace come over me because I know we're here together.
1: (laughs) Women love that, guys. That's the secret to the female universe. Hold her, tell her everything's going to be okay, and have her believe you. That's it. You have
3: to maybe say it 100 times sometimes. Yeah, sometimes in an emotional moment, there isn't
2: really a cure for what's going on in the universe. The baby's crying and I'm falling apart, mm-hmm. but I just need that hug. I just need to know, we'll get through this.
1: Yeah, This too shall pass. You know, I actually said that to the lady checking out my groceries the other day, who looked like she had just had a rough shift. And I smiled at her with a warm smile and told her that. And oh my goodness, it was like the Grinch at the end of The Grinch Stole <laughs> Christmas. When his heart grew seven times or whatever the number <laughs> is. She just softened up, said, you know, thank you. I needed that. And it wasn't even a hug. It was just words. But, you know, the one thing that we just discussed is that whole idea of, hey, you know what? Yeah. Find someone who lives your truth with you. Find someone who really is kind of like you. Your communication styles are similar. Um, If you both don't feel pressured to need a certain kind of communication that someone else in some book told you is really healthy, but it's just not your style, then maybe it isn't necessary. The important thing is having someone in your life who you connect with, who gets you, you get them. And I think when you get each other, you trust each other, and then the communication things sort of start taking care of themselves. Boom. That was a mic drop I heard. Okay. <laughs> Left everybody speechless.
3: It was beautiful, Scott. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself.
1: Put that in book. Well, yeah. So what we want to do for sure is make sure everybody knows how to find you two. And you have a wonderful podcast on iTunes called The Uncharted Family, and we've been guests on that and had a great time. Oh, yes. And so definitely check that out on iTunes. I also have something really cool to announce. You can hire Derek as part of an X and Y coaching program, and uh, he talks about business. He talks about adventure, uh, talks about uh, having the lifestyle, entrepreneurship vision, all those wonderful things. And so I'd like to take this official opportunity to uh, sort of welcome you to the team, Derek.
4: Yeah, exciting. It's, it's going to be fun.
1: And uh, we'll be rolling out new additions to our team and really all with the idea of really expanding how we can help you live the dream. We're in the happiness business nowadays. And whether it's career, love, being a better version of you, all of those things we want to make sure we maximize your skill sets at and uh, help you live the dream, help you live happiness. And I have been so impressed with your work since we met last year, Derek, that uh, I'm, Thanks, I'm honored to have you be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what do you say, Emily?
2: Yes, I enjoy watching your podcast and seeing you and Heidi and how happy you guys are. And you're just wanting to share that with the rest of the world. It's just, it's contagious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so a uh, pleasure to have you guys on the show today. Thank you for a great conversation. I think everybody who's listening is going to get a lot out of this. It was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, thank you so much for having us.
4: Thanks, Scott
1: and Emily. It's always a pleasure. And of course, guys and gals, if you haven't been to our brand new show notes page, you can see what Derek and Heidi look like. They're very cute. They look cute together too, don't they? But they're adorable. Derek has five times as much hair as I ever have had, <laughs> which makes me a little jealous. That's actually why I added you onto the team here, Derek, for coaching mm, because hair we needed to- yeah, we needed to balance out the amount of hair mm-hmm. on the team. So uh, although you you and Heidi both have that covered too. So um, if you haven't been to the show notes page, it's brand new. Uh, it's something we never had in the entire history of this show, which I'm a little embarrassed to admit. But hey, better late than never. It's at www.scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And remember, one T and Scott and one M and Emily.
2: <laughs> Let's not misspell it like the nurse did.
1: Yeah, oh my God, that's another whole story we could get into. Emily's uh, birth certificate was misspelled.
2: It was botched pretty badly. Yeah, Ooh. and
1: it was botched so badly that the uh, that the courthouse almost didn't believe you.
4: Good luck running for president. <laughs> no kidding, right?
2: Well, I communicated well enough that they changed my name and made it right.
1: Yes. And uh, we've hopefully made some of your communication right in this show. And like I said, go to the show notes page and you'll find more about Derek and Heidi. Listen to their podcast, Uncharted Family. And as for us and the rest of uh, the McKay household, we will see you again on the next episode of X and Y
0: on the Fly. Be good out there. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly Dating Podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisper, Dating Cast, and Online Dating Profile Rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.